Hi. We need to be in Matthew chapter 8. And I'll be there in just a moment. Matthew chapter 8. There are three accounts in Scripture of demons possessing hogs. Some of you know the story where Satan cast demons out of people and they went into the, into the hogs and the hogs ran down the cliff and drowned in the, in the sea. There are three accounts of that. And what I'm going to do this morning, really and truly, I'm not trying to look for an excuse, but if you see me acting like I don't know where to go next, what I've done, I've taken Matthew chapter 28, which I thought of the three was probably the most straightforward, and then I've interjected some things from, from uh, Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6, that were not in the story from Matthew. So I'll be jumping back and adding everything to make it one total story from three stories and three witnesses and the three different ways witnesses saw what happened or heard about what happened. I don't guess all of them were there. But at any rate, it's concerning to me and it always goes, I don't never know what God's going to ask me to, to preach on, but it really bothers me that the Christians of today have no clue for the most part about the world of Satan and how it operates all around us all the time everywhere. We're people who are supposed to be in a fight. We're in a turmoil. We the people are caught in a turmoil between the fight that's going on between Satan and God. God is in the people business. That makes us the business. So if you want to destroy a man, you destroy his business, and in this case, it's by destroying the people who are trying to follow him. And that's where we find ourselves. Now, at this point, unlike that day, at this point, we have a general populace, and for the most part, even the general population of the church still knows nothing about Satan. I hope to point some of those things out to give you a clue as to what demons are and how they operate and what they do and how they do it so you can recognize if you meet one on the street. Because they're everywhere. But God's people don't understand them. In that day they did. And we'll see some of the points why I'm making that argument. We have disregarded our enemy. We only dwell on our friend and our father and our savior, Jesus Christ. We do not spend very much time at all I found that out with, with, with demonology. I found that out when I had to deal with a Mexican boy that was possessed of a, of, of a demon. 
and I started going to friends, preachers, and deacons, and, and scholars of the Bible to get some insight on how to deal with this demon that was in this teenage boy. And when I finally found some help, it was in the form of a Nicaraguan missionary who had been in South America for years. And he said, you can't go to a Southern Baptist preacher and find out anything about demonology because none of me believe in it. And I learned that. He said, as soon as one of them becomes a missionary, just that quick they learn about demons because they're dealing with them every day in any one of the Central or the South American countries at least, and to some extent in Africa too. This is the reason, people, that some, a lot of our thing that God wants to happen with us can't happen because of the demons that are around us. Everywhere Jesus went, if you remember your scriptures, People were bringing people to him who were possessed and oppressed by demons everywhere he went. I mean, he no sooner took three steps out of a boat in this case than there were two of them right in his face. They were everywhere, but people recognized this problem then. Nobody anymore knows what it is. People in that day knew about Satan and believed he was our enemy. Nobody takes into account now that. It's like one fellow made a comment. When the American government starts sending preachers to schools where people have shot all the kids instead of policemen, we'll know that they're beginning to believe the real source of the evil that's in our country. Sounds like sense to me. They don't include a preacher in anybody of the first responders as a rule. They deal with everything being something they call mental illness. And mental illness in my Bible is probably what they'd call most of what we see here. So let's turn to, well let me say this first. I got a little sticker over here, I don't often do that. But we've been learning for the last several weeks from Scripture that God has provided with us, God has provided us guidance to lead us into the path that He would like for us to be. We have Jesus interceding on our behalf from the throne on the right hand of God that's in heaven. He's constantly meddling in our business, our everyday business, to the point that I have learned that there's no such thing as coincidences. I don't believe in them. I don't believe a tire just happened to go flat. And I don't believe a person just happened to show up at that time. I believe God is moving our comings and goings on this earth to put us in a place to where he can use us for his good. And I look for those opportunities. Jesus works through the Holy Spirit who indwells us now 24-7. We've got that. Jesus is speaking to us any time of the day or night 
through the Holy Spirit that's in us to help us make decisions to go in the path that God wants us to go. The Holy Spirit is who cleans up our conscience. We've seen that in the last few weeks. To make our conscience a godly conscience. To make us do things for God without even having to think about it. We get so perturbed every time some kind of little situation gets in front of us that we think might be a spiritual situation, maybe spiritual warfare, and the first thing we react to is we don't know what to do. But we've got God, a father. We've got an oldest brother and the oldest man of the church, our oldest member of the church, Jesus. We've got him working through our Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through our consciences, and all of those together have given us the power to have habits that we do godly things without even thinking about it. And that's where we're supposed to wind up to change our sinful habits to those that are godly habits without even having to think. So it says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28. Now let me say something. You remember the thing about Jesus being asleep in the boat and a a storm came up and the disciples came to him and said, don't you even care about us? We're fixing to get killed in this boat with a storm and here you are sleeping. That's what has just happened to them. Verse 26, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? A storm is fixing to kill you. Why are you scared? (laughs) He expects a lot out of us, doesn't he? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The storm just laid down. But the men marveled saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now let me tell you something. He has just shown a bunch of sailors and men on a boat who were scared to death that he's in control. He's in control of the storms. He's in control of the weather. He can speak, and the weather will change completely just on his voice. And they say, what manner of man is this? He can control the weather. Well, he's fixing to show us how he can control more than that. He can control the world of Satan and his demons. Those people back then knew about Satan and his demons way more than we ever even thought about knowing. In verse 28, where we start, and when he was come to the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee is where he was, that the storm came up on, and when he got to the other side where he was going in the boat, he stepped out on the, on the, on the dry land, and when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, There met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass by the way. 
Now look at here. Jesus <laughs> just steps out of the boat, and what's the first thing that happened? Two men possessed with demons shows up right in his face. He can't get away from them. Now, there's something if you go back home and decide you're going to read these three passages, there's a comment or two I want to make about them. The other two passages, one of them said there was one man that showed up demon-possessed, and in the other passage it says there was a man, which is singular. So in both the other passages, what they are telling about is when one man came up in front of Jesus that was possessed with a demon. Does that bother you? Now, if you go home and read these three passages, it's not, you're not going to get but one verse deep in them. You see that all three of them are different. Now, the question I ask you, does that bother you? You can answer that to yourself. There was a time years ago when it bothered me. I couldn't understand why all of them didn't see the same thing. Well, you can't, a man can have a wreck in an intersection and a cop can come up and get his pad out and start taking witness statements, and every day one of them will be different, right? So why wouldn't it be that way in Jesus' day? Each one of his disciples saw something different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all saw a different thing. Probably there was two guys, and maybe they assume only one of them had a demon. I don't know. It don't bother me anymore. You know why? Because God told me that everything in this book is true. So it doesn't matter whether I understand it or not. It's true. So I can't say it's not true. I'm not going to doubt it. So I take it like that's no big thing for me to even think about. Because what we're dealing here with is demon possession, not with how many they were. And it says, And there met him two possessed with devils, coming up out of the tombs. They stayed in the graveyard. They lived in the graveyard. They were naked. They never went home. They never put on clothes. Exceedingly fierce they were, so fierce that no man might pass by that way. Now let me ask you something. If you lived in a community like Briarfield and you knew that over there at the cemetery at Cedar or over there at Ashby at their cemetery that there were demons lived there that were so bad that you couldn't even walk by the place. That's what they lived with in that day. No wonder they knew about the demon world and Satan's world. They avoided the place. Why? Because they were scared of these two guys. It said in Mark and Luke that no one could bind them or him, whichever way you believe. No one could tie him up. He had often been bound with chains. They gathered up a group of men and went and overpowered him, even with his strength to break chains or fetters. Fetters is a leather thing that's got the ring on it that hooks a chain to you. 
He'd been bound several times with chains and fetters, and he just ripped them off of him every time somebody did that. Now, this is not Superman or Batman or anything. This is no fairy tale, people. This is the absolute truth. This man did this stuff. And he had always torn them apart, and the demons drove them into the wilderness. The demon that he had in him drove him into the wilderness. He was always in the tombs, in another one of the passages, cutting himself with stones and crying, and no man, no man could tame him. Now that's what we're dealing with in the spirit world. That's what they were dealing with in their little communities. People live, well you can't go that way because that's close to the graveyard and you know how those demon-possessed guys are and you can't go that way because it's over there and there's some of those demon-possessed people over there so we got to make our way where we don't run into them. Now that's how it was in that day. Now let me ask you this. If it was that way in that day, is it the same way today? I believe it is. I believe it's just taken on another tone. And I think the thing is that makes it different now. That was a physical situation then, and there are still physical situations today. I can remember when one or two kids from Wilton, teenagers, were going to Pelham, to sacrifice a dog up there to Satan. That's been less than 20 years ago. And they were friends of ours in our church. The kids were. Don't act like that it's not going on because it is. It is. It's going on right around us today. The girl that was sacrificed to Satan at the college for Mobile. Y'all probably didn't hear about that. I happened to have the sergeant for the college police force in my Sunday school class at the time, and he, I made him describe it to me, and it was that. She was sacrificed to Satan. So she belonged to the church of Satan in Mobile. Now that's four miles up the road. Verse 29. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus? Whoa, 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 whoa. The demons knew Jesus by his first name. Right? What have we got to do with you? Jesus, why are you here? Why are you coming over here where I live? You know where I live. I stay over here at this cemetery all the time. Why are you coming in here? They knew exactly who he was. What? have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? They knew who he was, too. That he was the Son of God. They knew exactly who Jesus was. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now it says in our scripture that every demon will wind up in hell. But there's a time when it's going to happen. And that's what they're discussing. So apparently they know scripture too. That there's a time when they are going to be put in hell. 
And they know, though, that it's supposed to be sometime in the future. And that's what they ask him. Have you come here to bother us? Because it's not time yet for that to happen. So scriptures knew Jesus. They knew who he was, the Son of God. They, wanted, they knew he had the authority and the power to cause them trouble because they asked him if that was what he was coming to do. Art thou hither, art thou here to torment us before the time? It's not time supposed to be for that. So why are you here? It said in the other two passages that both of these men, those men that they had outlined in that, that were possessed by demons, fell down and worshipped Jesus in front of them. They ran to him and fell down on their knees and worshipped Jesus. That's something. That surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. Now let me say this to you now and understand something, please. And everybody I've seen that talked with demons said the same thing. The eyewitnesses said that demons can talk to you out of the person that they have possessed that are talking through their mouth. So you're getting the word from the mouth of the person that is possessed, but it's the demon that's doing the talking and the thinking and the deciding what he's going to say. Now in Matthew, if you notice so far, we have only dealt with the demon that is in the man. Every bit of conversation has been between Jesus and the men, the demons in the men. In Matthew, the writer only deals with the demon. In Mark and, and Luke, the writer also gives us a perspective of the man the demon possessed. It said it often ran him into the wilderness. I mean, it's saying it from his standpoint. This thing is the most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. And I've got no control over it. Verse 31. Well, let's go 30. And so in verse 30, and there was a was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. There was a herd of hogs within sight of them. It says in another place there were 2,000 of them. That's a lot of pigs. A lot of pigs. Apparently they were worth a lot of money, and we'll see something about that in a moment. In verse 31, so the devils besought Jesus, saying, If thou cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. <laughs> now, here is the demons in the men talking to Jesus. If you came to cast us out, 
please let us go over there and possess those hogs. In all three texts, the demons all begged Jesus to let them into the herd of swine, about 2,000. Now, the only place we get information about demons, really, is from Jewish and Hebrew history texts. Most of what we get about them and, and, and what they have devised from Scripture is the way they do And in all of the old manuscripts that are written about Satan and demons and the way they operate, it is written that demons can possess men and animals. But apparently they prefer to possess men. I don't know why, but that's the case. Without possession without a demon being in, and we'll see later in some in another sermon, how that when they're not in men or animals, they walk around like they, they're lost. They don't have any power. They don't have any power for evil. It, apparently, they cannot do anything that requires any power unless they're in some kind of a living animal, a man or an animal. that they prefer men over animals. Without possession, they have no power for evil. Demons are known for their superman strength and can give it to whom they possess. This guy, remember what it said? They had, he had been caught before and chained up, and he'd always tore the chains all to pieces. The demon in him gave him the strength to do all that. It gave him the strength to scare everybody that came anywhere by him. It gave him the strength to beat up everybody they get their hands on. So bottom line, Jesus gave them permission. Now in one of the other passages, Jesus asked the demon and one of the men, what was his name? And he said, they called me Legion because there are many of us. Now, Legion is a, is a, is a military term for a great, great number of soldiers. You've heard them say about the Romans and the Greeks, they were legionnaires, they were soldiers. But the term legion covers many soldiers. And it said they took that name because there was a lot of them, the demons. I've often wondered, surely they wouldn't have been 2,000 because that's how many pigs you were. I, you know, I thought about one to a pig or whatever. I don't know. But Jesus gave them permission. He said, go. Go ahead. Get in the pigs. Get in the hogs. If that's where you want to be. And the demons possessed the swine. And the herd of swine ran down a steep into the sea and perished in the water. I would assume the hogs drowned. 
I've learned in my later years that hogs can swim. I didn't think they could, but they can. So I know they avoid being in deep water when they can. In Mark and Luke, it said that they choked. Now, the hogs died. What happened to the demon? I'm, I have to tell you, I really don't know. He doesn't say. And if he doesn't say, I'm not going to guess. Because I'm wondering if they can be killed. I don't know that they can. There was a movie made with, what's his name, Washington, De Devin Washington or something? Denzel. Denzel Washington. It's a good movie, but it's scary to watch. It has to do with a police force that has become possessed by demons. And they learned that the only way they could get rid of the demon was to commit suicide. In other words, kill the host. And so one man, they couldn't figure why, a sergeant that was over them in the past couple of years ago had gone out to a, to a vacated place in the woods and had shot and killed himself. They, but they got to figuring out that was to get rid of that demon that was in him. And so Denzel went out there to get rid of the one that was in him. And the word was that he had to be around, nobody could be around or they would move over into the closest person, just like they did into the pigs. How they learned to do this stuff in movies, I don't know. But it was so scriptural, the way it was, way it was portrayed. And so he was going to kill himself to get rid of his demon by smoking a poison cigarette. And he started smoking the cigarette, and he started dying. And at the, the end of the movie, it just showed him dying. His purpose was to get rid of the demon. And the next sound you heard was meow. And there was a cat right next to him that just walked out from under the, the house. So I don't suppose the demon was killed because they can possess animals too. So there it is. Now the result of 2,000 hogs being killed at one time. Like I said, that's a lot of money for somebody. The people in the area, when they heard about what had happened out there, they were terrified. They all got together, made a riot, a mob, and came to Jesus and wanted him to leave town. They wanted to get him out of town. If a guy has this much power to do this kind of thing, he's liable to cost all of us a lot of money turn everything we're doing on a human basis around the other way. We can't depend on making a profit out of our pigs anymore. There was only one person that wanted to go with him. You know who it was? The person he had healed. He wanted to go with Jesus and begged Jesus to take him with him. And Jesus said, no, you stay here and you tell everybody what happened to you. Because he got the demon out of him. No more does he have to live at the cemetery and go naked everywhere and cut himself with rocks to where he bleeds all the time. Hmm. 
Mark chapter 5, where it talks about he asked her name and it said legion for me so many. How many? They used a word there that I had never seen before. It's ubiquitous. Y'all know that word? You use that word. Ubiquitous was used in some of the other scriptures. What it means is there are so many demons out there that the work of Satan through these demons seem to be going on everywhere all the time. That's what the word means. Ubiquitous. There's so many demons doing Satan's work that it looks like that they're everywhere. But I did another little piece of research and there were over a hundred million angels created by God. Over a hundred million. They said in the research books that there were so many that nobody could count them. And a third of them, you see, took up with Satan and were kicked out of heaven. So doing math, that means that supposedly there are more than 33 million demons in the world today. And another word about them says they are assigned an area. Because one of the things that they were scared about was that Jesus might send them out of that country to another place. He might banish them to another place. And they were assigned by Satan to be in the same place forever. That's the reason I've mentioned to you, and you should know about it, that the demon that is bothering you now has been in the place where you live forever. He knows your people. He knows your mama. He knows your dad. He knows your whole family line back to wherever they came from, England or wherever they came from. So he's got the advantage over you. He knows what all your weaknesses are. He knows what the weaknesses of your family are. That's the reason they've got so many ways of getting at us. It is a hard thing to do to get the best of demons. And Satan knows that. But he knows too that at some point they're all going to be thrown in the lake of fire. going all over there. You remember what he said about, about, about Satan when, when he came into the throne room of God and God asked him, where you been, Satan? He said, I've been going to and fro on the earth. They're walking around all the time trying to find somebody to get the best of. I found some scripture also that talks about those people who are the most serious Christians They consider them a special person to attack because they're trying to be so good with God. So there's our situation. Here we are with all those things from God that will convince us that we need to be like He wants us to be. And here's at least 30 
three million demons that are alive and well and working back and forth on planet Earth trying to keep us from being that. There is so much scripture in our Bibles that tell us about demons and the problems Jesus had with them. Everywhere you turn, there was a demon somewhere. And I, for one, believe that they're still out there. And they're still working with us every day. And they're trying to tear us apart from Jesus Christ. It said that Satan was known for killing, for stealing, and for destroying people. Don't think that I don't believe that this thing called cancer has something to do straight out of the pits of hell. I believe Satan's in charge of some of that. So we'll look at this a couple more times. But here's the thing, people. They're there. They're our enemies. They're out to destroy us. And you ought to know something about them. At least to recognize them as well as I, I can show you how because I run into them on a somewhat regular basis. I do. And everybody needs to know about them, but they say that there's 70% of the people in the United States today that don't even believe in the devil. So he's doing a pretty good job. Let's pray. Father, you've got so much of it in your scripture, but we avoid it. We tend to avoid it. And that's the opposite of what you tell us to do. You tell us we're supposed to run from temptation, not Satan. That we're supposed to stand when we see Satan. So Lord, teach us how to do like you tell us to do. Give us the defense that you have given for us to work against Satan. We thank you for praying in your heavenly prayer in the 17th chapter of John that you would keep Satan away from God's children, us. And we thank you for that. But Lord, teach us to pray to keep Satan and his temptations away from us every day. A lot of the people I talk to, Lord, don't even know that they have to deal with demons. So Lord, make us aware of what truth is and teach us how to be better prepared against dealing with all these people that would like nothing better than to destroy us. The only thing that keeps them from it is permission from Jesus Christ. So Lord, I thank you for this knowledge from your word about Satan and the people who help him. In Christ's name I pray, amen.